We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Ruins Podcast. This episode 22. Joined now by Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Matt, plenty to talk about today. Bears get in the win column, some college football. Cubbies look to be primed and ready to go for a postseason push. Didn't think we'd be saying that about two, three weeks ago. And uh, a few other topics that we will touch upon, some a little bit more touchy than others. But uh, we will get there. Matt, how are you doing this morning? Joe, I'm doing good. I, I want to hear you. I want to hear you talk about the Bears. After last week, after, <laughs> after the... The funeral you pretty much you know gave the Bears. I tried to to bring us up a little bit, say you know it's never as bad as it seems, never as good as it seems. I tried to be the even keel guy, and I'm going to do that this week. I'm not going to get too high, but okay. I want to I want to hear where you're at now. Where where are we? Where I are enjoyed. We? Where are we on the, the scale here? One to ten. I haven't moved. I, I I have the same expectation for the Bears moving. There is forward. no way you can't be a little bit higher than you were last week. You were I, at a negative. No, one. no, no. I'm not. I'm not going to get emotional about a team that I know doesn't have that much of a future in terms of playoffs, in terms of anything beyond a regular season. So what I did was I watched the game, I screamed at my television, and I enjoyed the hell out of it last weekend. Can't I just do that? Can't you just allow me to enjoy the game, break it down, have some positive takeaways, look at some things that they still need to do well, but still stand pat in my prediction that this is not a playoff football team. Of course I can allow you to do that, but where's the fun? The fun is that we get <laughs> to sit here and break down some Bears football. What did you like out of out of that performance? Because it wasn't the cleanest win ever, but I think that's the way we're going to see Bears teams win football games this season is controlling the clock, running the ball, protecting the football, and defensively being sound in assignment and and and, and not allowing 30-plus points. What I like, Joe, is just it's pretty simple. I like the offensive line. Uh, they yeah. looked it was a it was really good. It was a complete 180 from the Tampa game. I don't know what happened in that Tampa game because they did not play nearly as good as they are. Maybe it was the the, the injuries that happened in that one. But you basically traded Kyle Sitton for Josh Long there in the starting lineup. So it was a, it was a pretty similar line to what we saw in Week One. But they looked fantastic running the football. Jordan Howard couldn't be touched. Tariq Cohen had a bunch of explosive runs. And they were just creating holes for these guys all day against uh, a beaten up, but still a pretty pretty darn good front seven in Pittsburgh. What I loved out of Tariq Cohen last week was not only that they had some inventive runs, but I think he had like something like 126 yards receiving. He was the leading receiver. Bears receivers only had, I think, like 19 yards collectively. So I think that's going to rear its ugly head when teams start to just load up the box and say, we know you can't pass the ball. I think that's where Mike Lennon does get in trouble. But like you said, that offensive line allowed them to pass when they needed to and allowed Jordan Howard the space to do what he needed to do and allowed Tariq Cohen to hide, you know, get, get small, get behind them and make some great plays. Now, one thing that I will budge on that is the, the fact that I question the toughness and I question the durability and the conditioning of this team. One guy that I'm taking out of that conversation is Jordan Howard. He was he impressive. Left, 
He left with what seemed like a separated shoulder or some sort of shoulder injury two or three times during that game and always came back in and effectively continued to run the football. It was unbelievable just the gut that he showed and then getting in and scoring the game-winning touchdown. It was, it was great to see. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like in that fourth quarter, it was like every other run he was coming out, getting something worked on with his shoulder and coming back mm-hmm. in about two plays later. But they really showed him, – him and Cohen really – showed that thunder and lightning type combination that I think we talked about here in the preseason. And if they can do that going forward, they're not going to win every game, but if they can run the ball like that going forward, they're going to put themselves in a position where they might have a chance later on. And I think that's really with where this team is at, where like you said, uh, in terms of receivers and quarterback, with this team, with where they're at with their running game and their defense, if they can give you that chance, I mean, that's that's really all you ask for. Yeah, and I guess I'd ask for some better play out of the wide receivers because – uh, is it the wide at, receivers or is it the quarterback just refusing to I, throw I think the ball downfield? Because it, it's tough for me to mix, see. Like, I think he, it's a, I, go I think ahead, it's go a mixture. Go ahead. Of, no, I was just saying, I think it's it's a, a mixture of both because the only wide receiver that's on the box score is DeAndre Thomas. He had nine yards receiving. The rest of the receiving is Jordan Howard with 26 yards. Tariq Cohen with 24 yards, Benny Cunningham with 23 yards, Zach Miller as a tight end with 17 yards. So the pass game is non-existent, and that's you can't be a you can't be a one a one strike team. You can't be a, a team that only can get it done one way because teams scheme towards that. No, I agree. I'm, I'm totally with you. And that's why I don't think this team is where they are. But I also think that's why this team, at least at the very least, just needs to see what you have in Trubisky sooner rather than later. Because yeah. this this running game and this defense are good enough to compete with just about anybody in the NFL, I, w- I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can get some semblance of a passing game, I, I think, like I said earlier, you have a chance to just about be in every game you want to be in. And Mike Glennon, I, I, I don't know if Mitch Trubisky can do that yet. I don't know if he's ready to do that yet, but I know Mike Glennon can't. I, yeah. I see him take the snap and either throw it right away to his first read or take about four seconds in the pocket and then hit the check down, even if it's third and eighteen. Yeah, he's the he's, king of the check down or he hits his first read, and that's about it. He has not challenged a team downfield yet, except if you count like trying to hit a 15-yard out that gets undercut and picked off and run back for a touchdown. He's still uh, – his QBR is 26, so it's not like – He also like can't he is, move. He's doing – he's not – he didn't win the game the other day. He did enough to not lose it is Agreed. the way I they, kind of saw Mike Glennon play the game. And that, that is going to wear on Bears fans win, lose, or draw – it, that that's no fun to watch. I I'm hesitant to say that I'm ready for Trubisky because I put the I put the the cap on five games, so I wanted to see Glennon hold water through this Packers game and then the Vikings game, and then I thought maybe it was Trubisky time. But as you're saying, if this run game and defense are proving that. Maybe you can sneak your way into a wild card conversation, and we're saying this at two and at one and two. But if you can't sneak into that conversation, why not see what your guy is with something on the line? I think that if you bring in Trubisky with a little something on the line at the end of this year or in the middle of this year, uh, that's better than bringing him in with nothing on the line because. 
he's actually forced to react in moments that matter. Much like his first appearance in the first preseason game when they brought him in with the two-minute drill right before halftime. It forced him into a situation where execution was imperative. It wasn't it wasn't a meaningless situation. If you bring him in and you're at least sitting at 500, then I think you get more value out of Mitch Trubisky snaps this season. I I, I can see that, um, but and I don't I want to. You said you don't want to get excited about playoffs or anything. To talk more about sneaking into a wild card at one and two. I don't. I want to go back. I'm not saying I think the Bears are going to the playoffs. I uh-huh. just kind of want to say I, I think with where what we've seen from the NFC so far this year, I think. The Panthers aren't really what, what we thought they were. The after the Bucks, you know, stomped the Bears, they went and laid an egg against the Vikings. So I'm not sure we really know what they are. I don't think there's that other than Atlanta. There's not really a, a great team so far in the NFC, and I don't think it's quite as deep or as talented as I originally thought. So I think if you're the Bears, if you can steal a few games here and there, you might have it. Like you said, have a chance to be there in the wild card. I just want. I don't want to make it seem like I think the Bears are playoff bound here. That's all I want yeah. to clear up. It was, but you know, as Bears fans. It was enjoyable. It, it was it was fun to watch. Uh, I thought, you know, I, until the moment that they won the game, I thought I, they were losing. I just I thought they were snake bitten after that stupid play before half. I thought that was going to be the deciding factor. Those four. What points, would you have done with Cooper there? I understand why he's still on the field. Oh, I, I agree. Understand, I agree. Completely. I understand it's a business. I, I'd love to be the guy that stands at the top of the mountain and says, "You got him." You leave him in the locker room. You leave him in the locker room, and we heard plenty of that from. I had people saying you cut him at halftime. You cut him at half. You can't no. cut a guy with with guaranteed money, and he's one of your only corners that is playing with any sort of. Yeah, he's one regular. of three corners who's actually good enough to be playing on that. Team. Yeah, the, 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 the cutting him is not an option. Now there are other ways to discipline him. And because things like that are inexcusable, but you can't knee jerk and just cut the guy. That being said, I thought that that was going to be the deciding factor in the game. And then when they called Cohen out of bounds, when he wasn't out of bounds, yep. I thought that, you know, Mike Lennon's going to turn the ball over here. They lose. This is how it happens for the Bears. This is what, this is what always happens. And then, uh, you know, a couple plays later, Howard punches it in. So it was enjoyable. And, and that's all. I didn't expect to have that many enjoyable Bears Sundays this year. Check one of them off the off the list for me. No, I agree. That was one of those games that, you know, even the Atlanta game was kind of similar to. And there were probably like seven or eight, nine of them last year where it, the Bears had these chances to win, but they kind of let it slip away towards the end. And it just kind of seemed like the other team, whoever it was, was going to keep crawling back, crawling back, and find a way to break your heart at the end. And this was... Really, the first one in a long time that I can remember, the Bears actually pulled off and got the job done and won in. And yeah, that, that, it was, that was, it was it was rewarding to see. And like I said, this season I'm just looking for things that you can take away and move towards next season. If your offensive line play is going to be that strong, and your running backs are going to be as strong as they are, and your defense is go- defense is going to be as stout as it is. Those are just less problems to fix in the offseason. Essentially, you need to move your quarterback into his position and get him weapons. What else do you need to do for the Bears? Maybe sure up at, at the linebacker position. Defensive line looks pretty strong. Maybe get someone in the back end, but it's not the mess that it looked like 365 days ago. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, uh, you, you obviously want to get your quarterback in there and see who that is. You want to add probably two weapons or so in, in, into your receiving core. But other than that, it, it kind of seems like you just want to pile on depth to what you already have. And I think that's what the Bears are missing. I, I think up front, that's what you saw in Tampa when a couple guys went down and they were forced to scramble things. They didn't really have the depth to back those guys up. 
And I think up uh, on the defensive line in, in past years when Eddie Goldman's gone down or once they've gotten a couple injuries up there, you haven't quite seen the depth. But other than that, other than that, I really just think it's that kind of quarterback receiver spot where they really need to add before they can be considered, you know, legitimate contenders for you know a wild card position or if the Packers have a down year in the NFC North. Yeah, I think uh, I think we we can only hope for for down years from the Packers. The Bears do have the pack this Thursday on a quick turnaround. I don't like it right off the bat. I don't like it. See, I, I I'm like the other it. way around. I think if you're you like get the quick turnaround for the no, Bears. No, no. I, see, honestly, I, yeah, because I think if you're going to get them, I think this is probably a Thursday night in Green Bay. This is probably your best chance to do so, or maybe they're a little bit banged up. They're coming off you know an emotional comeback win where you know maybe. This game somewhat sort of sneaks up on him like it did Thanksgiving a couple years ago. Um, Give Aaron Rodgers a little less time to prep. Yeah, and I, I and I think the Bears have. I, I mean, I think they have momentum. Uh, I, I think they believe in what they're doing over there. They 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 know they're a play away from being two and one with two wins against you know conference champion you know contender or no sorry teams who played in their conference championships last year. Couldn't think of the way to phrase that, but. I, th- I think they do believe a little bit in what's going on in that locker room. I, I think if sh- the, that short week gives them not too much time to think about, oh, crap, we're heading up to Green Bay. You know, we always get killed up here. It's more of just, we got to get back here on Tuesday. We got to prepare. We got to get ready. We're going, we're playing a game. And now, it does simplify I, things, I think, too, in the game plan, which can't hurt that often. Matt, Matt, you know, I'm a, I'm a narrative guy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm big with, big with storyline. I love a good storyline. Really? The news anchor loves stories? How, how perfect. Would it be if, for one reason or another, the Mitch Trubisky era starts at Lambeau with a win? Uh, now, I'm not wishing an injury upon Mike Glennon. Well, that's the only wishing, way it's going to happen. I'm not wishing them to go down 28 at half and Mitch jump on his white steed. Are you and kidding lead me? Them I, am, back I, I to, do wish they do that. If they went 28 down 28 nothing at half and Mitch let them back to a 31-28 win in the second, Joe, that'd be perfect. But I'd love to, I'd love to be sitting there at the Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky Hall of Fame induction, hmm. reminiscing on the day, on the Thursday night that Trubisky made his debut at Lambeau. That'd be that'd be good stuff. I think I'm going to send him this once this does happen. <laughs> once he does get elected, maybe that'll like maybe then he'll have you introduce him at the Hall. Of Fame. It, it's, in the a, yeah, it's in the archives now. it's now archives. we got it. It's on it's it's on record, and I know he's a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> oh goodness, uh, <laughs> Joe, I, I really only think you're seeing that if there's an injury yeah. or if Glennon goes out and throws four interceptions on his first four drives. But uh, yeah, that would be that'd be something. I still think you're more likely to see him, you know, at at Soldier Field on the lakefront on a Monday night against a not as hated but hated Vikings team coming in. Yes, I, I'd agree with that as well. Not not the storybook beginning, maybe that that we'd hope for. But what are you going to do? Uh, it's Bears Packers seven thirty on CBS uh, this Thursday night. Some Thursday night football. Weird things uh, that, happen that, on Thursday night football. They do, and the, weird Packers, things happen. Not that it not that it benefits the Bears in any way because the pass game's non existent, but that Packers defense, the back half just looks abysmal right now. So mm-hmm. I think that if you're gonna score points or if you're going to maybe have a game where your receivers look like they're serviceable NFL athletes and your quarterback looks like that, this would be the game. So we will see how it shakes down two days from today. I uh, I can't wait for it. I know even though when the Bears are is, is- not as bad as they are, but clearly the underdogs. Bears-Packers is something that you can't help but just get really up for it. Before we move on, Matt, any uh, any other takeaways from this week? Cohen, great, obviously. We got our first look at, uh, kind of our first actual look at Adam Shaheen. Um, the, other, I want to talk about takeaways? the secondary. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they continue to impress. I mean, they were, they were very good in week one against Atlanta. Uh, Tampa, I mean, they weren't 
great, but at the same time, they were put in awful positions all day and, and, and held water, I think, enough in that game to be considered they were, they were fine. And then with the exception of Antonio Brown, who's who's going to get his because he's Antonio Brown, they did a pretty good job of keeping one of the top you know passing games in the NFL in check. Um, and Kyle Fuller is, has been a, a huge part of that secondary so far. He's playing physical on the run. He, he's, he's guarding the pass well. And he looks like he's playing with a renewed sense of confidence. Like he, he, he had that confidence when he first made that debut in San Francisco, had a couple interceptions. But ever, ever since things went downhill, he kind of seemed like a put-his-head-down kind of guy. But I don't know what happened in the offseason, what, what started this year, but he looks like a brand-new player who might warrant an extension after the season. Yeah, I don't know who got in his ear, but he is playing a completely different brand of football, coming up, making open field tackles, um, staying healthy, knock on wood. Those are things that you were really starting to question with Fuller as, as time wore on. Yeah, and I, I think that secondary is going to take a hit now that, that Quentin Demps has that forearm. But they yeah. do have a guy in Adrian Amos who's slotting back in who hasn't started out okay but wasn't great since but still has some NFL experience in there. So hopefully there's not too much of a drop-off. But the the secondary has been a an incredibly pleasant surprise. It looked like just some some patchwork journeymen trying to fill in and, and see what they can't put a Band-Aid over. But but all those guys seem to be playing pretty well. Prince of Mukamara looked pretty good in his debut, had a, had a great pass breakup for what would have been a touchdown. I thought Cooper, other than that stupid field goal return, had a pretty solid game. So I'm looking forward to see what they can do against a a very good receiving core in Green Bay and obviously yes. the, probably the best quarterback, if not the second-best quarterback in the NFL. They will be tested. And, Matt, I don't know how you uh, how you digested the game on, uh, on Sunday, but I was watching the game and then threw red zone on just moments after the Bears won, and that was the most entertaining 10-minute window of football that I've ever seen, I think, yeah. with the walk-off field goal in Philadelphia, 61-yarder, the Bears game winner walk-off, the, what else did we have? Uh, the Lions down at the oh, one. Oh, that was, and, that uh, was heartbreaking was, for them. What was, the, what was the fourth early game that ended crazy? Um, Let me see if I can't pull up a scoreboard here. I can't remember off the top of my head, but those this 10 minutes. This is great minutes, radio. <laughs> those 10 minutes right there were absolutely fantastic. These It was when we were talking about the product lacking or not being as – oh, it was the New England uh, – Oh, yeah, New England – In the corner of the end zone. All within 10 minutes right there. And we can knock the product one week and then they'll come back the next week and it will be the best thing that we've watched. And it was just – it was great football that, that noon hour. It's, it's just – it's why football is king, Joe. It's why football will always be king. In I, my I agree opinion, with you, man. In my humble and, opinion. Uh, we do have some teams in the NFL before we move on here that are emerging as uh, – True contenders, true favorites. Obviously, you have a team like the Raiders, who everyone wanted to be, you know, ready to go. Took a step back. Still but think they are. I, I still think they're very good too. But Kansas City really emerging as an AFC team that to be reckoned with. And I know it was they only beat the Chargers, but they held the Chargers to ten points. A, a Chargers team that was scoring at will. And Kansas City now three and zero, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And really looking like a team that, that's going to be the team to beat in the AFC, if I may. I mean, I am I know they just got through beating New England by a couple scores in, in Foxborough. I'm still going to go with New England just on history alone and, and who's under center yeah. there when, when it really counts the most. But I mean, it looked like a team who was you know, priming to replace their quarterback for a rookie you know, maybe halfway through the season, maybe at the end. But now Alex Smith is, seems to be firing on all cylinders. and I mean, that offense is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it was, with, used to be one of the that, more boring offenses to watch in the NFL. Now you throw uh, Tyree Hill in there. Yeah, if you're talking about 
two-headed monsters hunting Hill, they're they're a problem because Tyreek Hill has that get up and go like you haven't seen since. I'm going to throw the name in there since Devin Hester. No, I, and, I, I agree. And the guy knows how to play the receiver position, much unlike Devin Hester. So you got him, and then you have just a Mac running back that comes out of the woodwork. Uh, obviously, the all-time leading rusher in the Mac, but, but still, we knew, Mac. we knew nothing about him, and, yeah. and he's coming out looking like an All-Pro in year one. Yeah. So I think I think Kansas City, with their with their back end and their stout defense combined with now an an offense that is putting up points, which, like you said, isn't something you see from the Chiefs very often. I think they're going to be very dangerous down and the stretch. It's just it's fun to see Andy Reid get really creative with that <laughs> offense too. Because it's just I, fun to see Andy Reid. Period. I love how you started <laughs> laughing before I even finished my <laughs> sentence. Right when I said Andy Reid, because I pictured Andy Reid like breaking through the wall like the Kool Aid with that with that big belt on the the belt yeah. that he straps everything to. Oh, uh, no, but it's, it's fun seeing him get creative with that offense. He's got those two playmakers. Then he's got uh, you know his his thunder, if you will, and Travis Kelsey that he figures out how you know ways to get him the ball, whether that's coming out of the backfield now even sometimes or, or obviously finding him uh, uh alex smith finding him but he andy reads a as fun as the guy is he is to watch he's a guy who knows offense and his offense is yeah. when they have this much talent and skill around him it's they're they're a lot of fun team to watch they absolutely are matt um nfl football in in full tilt now we're starting to actually understand who these teams are we're starting to figure out who they are uh, we'll touch a little bit more on it in the buy or sell, but now we're going to move on to some college football. Another entertaining weekend uh, here on the home front. The Huskers get back in the win column, so uh, all is well. In There's the some bigger game. news on the home front, though. <laughs> yes, Husker AD uh, Sean Eichhorst released on Thursday. That was a long work day over here, and I think it was. Uh, I think it was a reaction to what's been happening with the football program and losing to NIU and coming out and having a sluggish lackluster start to the season. Uh, the, the chairman and uh, president of the university, Hank Bounds and uh, uh, Ronnie Green come out and say that this is an issue that they want to address uh, across the athletic department. And that is the biggest crock that you'll ever hear because Nebraska is a football place. It's always been a football place. Decisions will always be made on a football basis. If you want to talk about the other sports, baseball just won the Big Ten Championship. Nebraska volleyball won a national championship two years ago, was the runner-up last year. Bowling won the national championship. I know that's not really a hey, revenue driver. We're a big bowling podcast. But but it's not. It's not a decision. <laughs> it's it's not a decision being made on a basis of the entire athletic department because they are competitive in what seems like everything except basketball and football right now. Um, I think that Mike Riley is now. It, it's it's a it's a working tryout for Mike Riley. This last eight game stretch, if you're going back to last week, nine game stretch of the season, he's got to take at least seven of them and come out of here with an eight win, seven win season. And uh, if he wants to keep his job, because you're going to have a new athletic th- director in here at some point. Probably going to want to bring in his own guy. That's going to want to bring in his own guy and be connected to his own guy. Mike Riley's contract was just extended through 2021. So if Riley was to stay on, then it's going to have to be a working relationship with someone that's that's going to be a new face. Because Sean Eichhorst hired Mike Riley. Sean Eichhorst pushed out Bo Pelini and brought in Riley. So that was his decision. And he will forever be tethered to it. And I think that's ultimately what sealed his fate here amongst some interesting decisions in terms of addressing the media and Friday night games, the Black Friday game. I think there was just 
a lot of angst from the Husker faithful. And if there's anywhere that I said, if there's anywhere that, you know, an athletic department is a democracy, it's here. They, they really listen to the outside noise and what the fans want. And, and the fans had their voices heard on this one, I think. And it's a shame because, uh, John Eichhorst was a great guy to work with. And, uh, Husker Nation now looking for a new figurehead. But nonetheless, they come out with a win over Rutgers last weekend. <laughs> a little bit closer than I think they hoped, though. I, 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 I'm not hand up. I didn't watch any of the game, Joe. I told you I was done with Nebraska after the Northern game. It was, uh, uh, it was, a, better, it was a good Lee second threw a half. Couple picks again, I see. He, threw, he threw a pick six. Uh, both of the picks were on him this week. And if he can, if he can figure it out, he's going to be something serious. But he's not. His decision making right now is his biggest downfall because sounds like made, I've heard that before with quarterbacks, especially in this city. Yeah, and he made uh, he. It's very Jay Cutler where he has every tool and he's making bad decisions because he made a throw. Mind you, it was only I think a twenty-five yard pass, but it was rolling to his left across his body on the move, full speed, led J.D. Spielman into the corner of the end zone, right into my lens of my camera, and it was. It was a rocket. It jumped out of his hand. It was. It just made you say, you know, this is a next level quarterback. He just needs to start making the right decisions, get his head right because it's not looking like the complete package right now. There's going to be a lot of people with a lot of questions, and I think at this point in the season, it's safe to say Tanner Lee will stay his senior season here in Nebraska. And that was talking Cornhuskers. That's talk, that's your that's your Huskers. That's your Husker wheat roundup. <laughs> I, I, get, I get a hockey minute to talk about Chicago's NHL team. I get one minute. Joe gets about five to talk about Nebraska Cornhuskers football. I'm a direct but, source, though, Matt. I'm a oh, source. Joe, use I used your, to, Joe, use I used to work source. for the team. I don't know if you remember That's that. Fair. We used That's to work fair. for him. Well, work your sources then, <laughs> damn it. I only have like one. <laughs> well, uh, so definitely some, some other action going on across college football. Uh, our Irish come away with a convincing W at Michigan State, a place where sometimes they find a way to trip up. But uh, that was, was a game where I, I don't know if you saw the the line beforehand was was two and a half. I think Notre Dame was favored by two and a half. And you go into it thinking like I, I hadn't seen much Michigan State this year, but I knew again like last year this was supposed to be a pretty down year for them, and they're not quite where they usually are. Uh-huh. And I, at first, I kind of thought that was a layup of a line, and then I was kind of thinking, but you just kind of reminded me that. Those night games at Michigan State between Notre Dame and Michigan State, they weird things, weird happen, things like happen. And I, I was yeah. very hesitant to take it. I still took it and paid yeah. off. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was an impressive win. Uh, they were able to run the ball really well. Defense looked opportunistic. Brandon Wimbush wasn't great throwing the ball, but he was better than we've seen. Yeah. So I think everything that's they gonna, did was, that's a, was a positive step. That needs, that needs time, and I know we've talked about it in the past, but a positive step. Kind of across the top 25 looking at it, Bama – puts an end to Vanderbilt's football program. Uh, Did you see the picture of the kid, the, the student in the Vanderbilt student section just sitting, like the the entire section was empty around him. He was just sitting, like, <laughs> on the, like sitting on the bench, slumped down, like hands on his head. Like, it was scoreboard on the bottom said 52 nothing in the third quarter. <laughs> Yeah, you should just be at just you should just be at the bar by that point. That's, yeah, like come uh, on, guy, just just get no, out of there. There's Save no yourself. To be there. Uh, number two, Clemson, convincing win over Boston College. Number three, Oklahoma, just squeaks by Baylor. Uh, Baker Mayfield with some more interesting comments pregame. You gotta love them. Uh, that Penn State Iowa game was probably that was the, unbelievable. The best football game of the season. I don't know if I'm forgetting some outliers, but that was. Uh, that was a joy to watch. Very Before we enjoyable. get into, you, I don't know if you want to talk any more about that game, but just Saquon Barkley. 
We talk he's, about how exciting of a football player he is to watch. He's appointment television. He's not even a football player anywhere. He's an event. You need to turn on the TV when Saquon Barkley's playing football. When he hurdled that guy, took the hit midair, and landed, it's like it, moments like that that put him into, dare I say, a Reggie Bush air. Like, remember how Reggie Bush was I don't think that's. I, I don't think that's too far off of a you know, comparison. It, I think this is the first time we're seeing anything like that in terms of a individual talent. And I in think terms Saquon of a running Barkley, back, I'll say. A running back. Saquon Barkley is the leading wide receiver in the Big Ten right now. Wrap your mind around that. He's running the ball with crazy effectiveness, and he's also the leading receiver in the Big Ten. Just get the ball to him, turn the television on, get your popcorn, and enjoy four hours of a movie. Because he's really – he's – He's bringing himself into an air of players already that is rarefied air. And I don't know how we weren't pounding the drum preseason that this is the favorite for Heisman, but I think he is squarely putting himself in that conversation as the favorite for Heisman. I think after that effort, he went 28 carries, 211 yards, touchdown, and he had that kind of Heisman moment too, like you said, with the hurdle. Um, how 12 about, receptions for 94 yards. How to, about to that? Boot. I've, didn't I honestly? I just had the quick stats up here. Oh, I think, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm at the quick line has their leading rusher, which I looked at, and then right below it, I forgot. Their leading receiver. Also, their leading also receiver. Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, but Trace McSorley too on that that last drive. He I thought he was fantastic, and then that throw uh, on the what was it fourth and goal for the, for the yeah. touchdown there was just that was that was an elite under pressure throw that he even made off the back foot a little bit, but couldn't have placed that any perfectly right any more perfect right over the defender's hand. That was. I, I even think I think the ball was slightly tipped. It looks like like the yeah. rotation changed a little bit. Just the perfect ball in the back of the end zone. But as you said, didn't seem like the moment was too big for anyone on that Penn State office, which is a great sign for them as they get into kind of the heart of this schedule and get into Big Ten play. Yeah, and we were talking just a few minutes ago how weird things happen when Notre Dame plays at Michigan State at night. Weird, weird things, things happen, happen when Iowa night. hosts Big Ten contenders at night. They, those yeah, well, games, all, they, they never seem to beat themselves. And those games always seem to have some sort of great ending to it or great storyline come from it. Last year they beat Michigan. It was probably whatever, five, six years ago where they upset Penn State at home. Something crazy is always Something crazy goes yeah. on up there. And it's, it, it's a fun, fun atmosphere to watch a big night game in. All right, Matt. One to score that you're probably not happy to see. Your uh, Oklahoma State uh, pokes go down to TCU, a ranked opponent, but it really does hurt their chances um, at, at – at your college football playoff prediction uh, brings me to brings me to this next question for you. Four weeks in, you can edit your final four. Who are you subtracting? Who are you adding? Well, I think I I or I deserve an edit because I was under the assumption assumption Francois would be playing all season for Florida no, State. Injury injury is a reality of the sport. You True. don't. You haven't earned anything, Matt. I'm giving you it's an debatable. edit. On debatable. Your final I think four. I've, I think I've ended. So I'm going to go with that. Um, honestly, I, I, I still think Oklahoma State has a chance if they run the table and if they have two wins against Oklahoma on their resume, which they'll need. Um, I, I think that gives them still an outside, not even an outside chance. I still think that gives them a pretty good chance if they're 11. So you're keeping Oklahoma wins. State in. I, Joe, I'm not going to, the only one I'm going to back out on is, is the one that, you know, is dead because of an injury that I couldn't foresee coming. I'm just yeah. going to swap Clemson for Florida State. I think the Clemson's the, the team that comes out of the ACC with, uh, the conference championship. I know that's such a not, not a bold prediction right now after yeah. seeing what they did to Louisville, but they look great. Defense looks great. Offense looks like it's starting to come around at least enough. 
yeah, I, I I think they're in that college football playoff. But other than that, I I I'm gonna keep those same four. I got Bama, I got Wisconsin, I got Clemson, I got Oklahoma State. I'm going to make one edit as well to my final four. I'm leaving SC in. I don't think we've seen the best out of SC yet. I think that uh, they're a strong football team. I think that they're probably the most talented football team in the nation. They just need to put it together. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. I'm leaving them in. Uh, when you talk about talented football teams, Alabama, I'm leaving them in as well. You have to. I'm leaving Oklahoma in. I am taking out my would-be national champion, Ohio State Buckeyes. And this might be knee-jerk, but I'm putting Penn State. I think Penn State That's not knee-jerk. I mean, it, you can't call that knee-jerk. They're, you know, they're number uh, four team in the nation. They were, I think, six to start the year. They're, they're a very good football team. They're, they're a complete football team. And I, 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 don't know if, uh, I don't know if there's a team in the Big Ten who can stop their offensive attack. And if they can... If they can be sound defensively, I think Penn State is the Big Ten champion, finds a way into that college football playoff. So that's my one addition subtraction is Penn State in for Ohio State. Yeah, I I like that we're mainly keeping our three three of the four here, Joe. I think that, that shows character on our part. We we could have we could have backed off when times got tough, but we're not going to. We're gonna stick it with does. our guns here for the most let's, part. Let's uh let's put our character into question and uh pick a line for this weekend, you gambling degenerates out there. Uh, we, we've we've struggled early on in the season. We took last week. Last hey, week I'm off. one and one. Matt, give me your lock of the week. I'm zero. I'm not the one who's been blown out in an o, in, yeah zero and two with two blowouts here. All right, um, pick, a, pick a game. You know, I've been I've been going back and forth on two here. I mean, somehow Iowa's getting three and a half points at Michigan State, but uh, the you know weird things happen there in the Big Ten and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I kind of like Georgia minus seven at Tennessee. Tennessee hasn't been all that impressive to me. They they just snuck past UMass at home. I'm not really maybe maybe they were looking past UMass to Georgia. I don't really know, but Georgia looks like a really good football team right now. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I my gut says to go with Iowa, but I, I still think just big weird things happen in the Big Ten, and I, I maybe there's something I'm missing there. So I'm going to take Georgia minus seven at Tennessee. Georgia minus seven at Tennessee. My pick. I'm, I'm just going to say. Keep an eye on that Nebraska line. It's six. And I, a half I actually right did now. see that. I Keep an eye on that one. I think the Huskers are in a good headspace right now, and they go to U of I and take a convincing win. I already that's told not, you I'm hashtag done with Nebraska, though. So that's that's fair. They've burned you a couple of times. That's not my pick. My pick this week is going to be SC laying three and a half at Washington State. As I said, it's a good one. Just top level talent there at SC. Sam Darnold almost looks like he wants to put himself in a adverse situation to just show how calm, cool, and collected he is. But I think there's going to be a week that they have that breakout game where they just hang a number and and, and they really hit the ground running, or, or they start running at ground level and, and start showing what they can do you know, as a full package because I don't think they've played their best game yet by any stretch of the imagination. SC laying three and a half at Washington State, a late start on on Saturday. You know, I do uh, like I do like that line, Joe. But at the same time, I can't bet against Mike Leach. In all good conscience, I I I, I love the guy too much. I can't bet against him. He's just a he's a he's of kindred spirit. He's he, he is. I, I think I see eye to eye with the man. He's a lot smarter than I am. But other than that, I think we see eye to eye in a lot of things. All right, Matt. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's pivot here off Mike Leach a little bit. Uh, let's talk a little baseball. Some some records, some record breaking moments uh, a couple days ago or yesterday. Yesterday, uh, Aaron Judge becomes the all time leader in single season home runs for a rookie. Fifty home runs. Uh, he just just an outstanding season. And what could have been if he didn't have that kind of month where he just 
hit the pause button after the after the All Star break. Yeah, you know, I was going to say I think that's what I'm most impressed by because he, he had that great first half with whatever it was 33 home runs, I think. But after that, uh, after the home run derby, he was kind of in that big slump that you know, wondering if you know, the the first half was a little bit of a mirage, whether or not he was going to bust out of it. And the mental strength and the just. W- the mental strength to pull himself out of that as a rookie, I think, is what most impressed me. I know he's older for a rookie. I think he's 25. But being able to bounce back from a pretty bad extended stretch where I think he set the record for most consecutive games with a strikeout, something like 27, something along the lines of that. But to be able to pull himself out of that and kind of finish this season strong going into the playoffs, I, I think that's a that's going to be a huge confidence booster for him going forward into you know the playoffs if he you know, happens to go into a slump for a couple games next year if he happens to slump or just way down the line in his career. That's obviously 50 home runs breaking the record is incredibly impressive, and that's not what I'm trying to talk down. But I think the ability to bring himself out of that slump as a rookie and, and get back to the elite power is what impressed me most. Yeah, that was uh, that's a good point. Just because he did have you know his taste in the bigs last year where – yeah, towards when, the end of the year. When things were going wrong, they stayed going wrong. Mm-hmm. So that ability to kind of deal with the ebb and the flow of a, a full 162 is, is a good sign for, for the for the slugger in the Bronx. You talk about clutch baseball. The Cubbies are playing some clutch baseball right now. Winners, uh, nine of their last 11. We tabbed these three series with the Cardinals, the Brewers, and then the Cardinals again as the deciding factor in the yeah. season. And I believe they've taken six of those seven. Just dropping one to the Brewers, uh, taking the first game against the Cardinals yesterday, ten to two. They really look like they're starting to get into postseason form. Uh, Lester with a great outing. The Magic number down to one. It seems like all is well on the North side once again. Man, it, it really does. They seem to be playing great ba- baseball. Pitching is seeming to get hot at the right time here, uh, with the exception of Wade Davis screwing up that save. But I, I think you almost, if you're a Cubs fan, you rather have that happen now than bring that into the playoffs with having that be a storyline every time he comes out. But the offense obviously exploded for 10 runs last night. They seem to be firing on all cylinders. Chris Bryant, I don't know if he was recovering from the you know four or five minor injuries he had throughout the year, but he seems to finally be healthy, swinging the bat the way he was last year. He was three for four last night with a home run again. So if you're a Cubs fan, this is what you wanted to see. You wanted to see them turning it on towards the end of the year, right going to the playoffs. My only worry for them is maybe they – clinch a little bit too early and take the foot off the gas for five or six games. But in the, yeah. if you want to make that argument, I mean, the Nationals and the Dodgers have had their foot off the gas for you know weeks now. So I, I don't think that's going to be a, a terribly relevant argument. But the, that, that this Cardinal series, I don't think St. Louis after last night is going to put up too much of a fight. But after seeing the, the last two series with the Brewers, uh, I think they put the, the three at Wrigley where the Brewers won, and you know two of them were really close, and then the four, and Miller Park, where the, the Cubs took three out of four, where three were really close. I kind of hope the Brewers sneak into the playoffs so we can see another playoffs, so we can see a playoff series between these two. Because yeah, they, they have they, played really, really exciting baseball. Just from an, a, a neutral standpoint, we're obviously Sox fans, so I don't think we really care much what about uh, much that goes on there. But I think just from a neutral standpoint, it'll be fun to see those rivals kind of go at it in the playoffs. So I, I hope they can sneak in and maybe win the wild card. Yeah, anytime two teams know each other that well, it's... Uh... It's and they hate baseball, each other. They, they clearly don't yes, like each other, each other anymore. R.I.P. to that Cardinals fans nachos. That was a sad sight to see. And uh, can I it, can it, I bring it, something up? By the way, no, we, no, I, I, this no, is, is going to spark no, no, something. This isn't. This isn't. It's going to spark. Something. <laughs> this isn't about nachos no, or game fair. It's not about nachos. I, I 
last night uh, I was working over at Comcast and you know the Nacho storyline happened so obviously we were you know running some funny features on that whatever Nacho and date I, I built a I built a graphic when the play went up that had the caption Nacho average foul ball I thought that was kind of funny right it's terrible it's terrible, terrible but it's 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 a it's a cheesy pun Joe uh, well that's Get even it? worse Get yeah, it? no no, no, I, no I it was it. terrible it was terrible it. I know. But I go on ESPN.com this morning, like I usually Same do before thing. the podcast, just kind of you know scrolling, seeing what I'm missing. And ESPN.com has a video of the nacho of the the play with the caption "Nacho average foul ball." Poachers. I think they're they poachers, poach me. Matt. I think they're poachers. I, I don't know who to talk to about this, but I should figure it out. You know that I feel wronged. Good. You're damn good at your job. That's it what does. that says. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's got to be it, right? Well, Cubby's looking good. Nachos. It's nacho season in the NL Central, I guess, is the only way to close that out. Yes. All right, Matt. Um, moving on. Uh, what do we got? Uh, we got uh, a grievance. I got a grievance. Yeah, let's hit it before I uh, put my foot in my mouth even further. <laughs> The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Matt. Um, it's We're a sports podcast, and we want to keep it that way, and... Sometimes sports and politics do overlap, and we try and kind of stay out of those conversations. But I think this is something that I'd like to address in our grievance this week. Um, our commander-in-chief, speaking of putting foot, feet in mouth, uh, made a couple ridiculous comments uh, over the weekend uh, about kind of just the state of sports and a couple individuals and the NFL. And it's really sickening to see, one, our, our commander-in-chief focusing on all of the wrong things when we are in such a time of need as a country and as a world. And uh, a world leader just focused on the wrong things is one thing. But for him to use sports to once again divide, because that's what Donald Trump does, is he divides and he conquers. That's, that's how he ended up in office. He, he's a divisive individual. But sports is the one common denominator that through history has always brought us together. It has been the one thing that has kept us in common. Since the days of Jackie Robinson stepping onto baseball fields, it is the thing that brings us together. It is the thing that makes our enemies our best friends because we're wearing the same colors on any given day. Donald Trump tried using sports this weekend to divide, and the NFL showed just how unified they can become in the face of just an opposing force. And that's all the, the credit that I'm going to give Donald Trump in this situation. Now, you can think whatever you want to think about standing or kneeling for the national anthem. Myself, I will always stand for the national anthem. It'll always put tears in my eyes like it does every Saturday here at Memorial Stadium. It's something special that resonates within me. I cannot tell someone else to feel that way about the national anthem or about our country or about oppression or about how they're being treated. So don't tell someone not to stand. Don't tell someone not to kneel. Let people act as they may and worry about yourself. That's my grievance. I really think that we're in a time where we're so divided, you cannot tell someone how to feel. You know, it's a very, it's a very touchy time. And people are very, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. They're very ultra sensitive to things that are going on. And that's understanding. 
So I think that once we start telling people how to react to oppression, how to react to comments from a president, that's when you get into very sticky situations, very hairy situations. I think my advice for everyone is to golf your own ball and enjoy the product that we're getting on Sundays but it can, because it seems to be getting better and better. All I hope is that sports continues to be a unifying factor. I respect Mike Tomlin for doing what he did and having his team in the locker room, not as a form of protest, but as a form of unity. I respect Jerry Jones and the Cowboys for doing what they did last night as a sign of unity on a national stage, not as a sign of protest or whatever you want to call it, but as a sign that as sports, as sports fans, as athletes, that we can still come together in the face of of some very dividing comments and divisive times. So that's my grievance for the week, Matt. Joe, I think that was really well said on obviously a very sensitive subject, and uh, I think we should uh, leave it at that. I don't want to add yeah. anything more. Uh, let's let's move on. Like All righty. Uh, what are we getting into, the mailbag? Mailbag or buy or sell, your call. Uh, let's do buy or sell. Let's All right, start it off. We'll get the mailbag after. All right, Matt. Buy or sell. We're going to start off with, with a golf one. we got to get some golf in here. Buy or sell the President's Cup. Will you be watching? No. Um, I, I mean, it's not something I'm against or going to actively go out of my way not to watch, but it's also just not something I'm going to go out of my way to watch. Um, yeah. If it's what the best, you know, if it's, if it's on and it's the best thing on, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to not. I'll probably have it on in the background. But I don't know why. It's just kind of after that FedEx Cup, if it's not the Ryder Cup for me, it's, it's, I just, it, it's hard for me to care all that much, unfortunately. And and that's, I think, where the PGA Tour has a real problem, Matt, because I don't know if you're going to find bigger golf fans than you and I. And yeah. there's, I know they're out there, but if you're, having a tr- if you're having trouble getting our eyes on the President's Cup or on the FedEx Cup or the playoffs, mm-hmm. then you've got a real problem. You've got to figure out other ways to make this a little bit more enticing. Uh, obviously, the President's Cup, just the format and the team aspect of it is always interesting, but it almost seems like a, a Ryder Cup junior. You know? That, that it, is it seemed, what it is. It's just it's it's a watered-down version of the Ryder Cup that exactly. most people don't care as much about. And I think that second billing hurts it when you're trying to market it. So yeah. uh, I will also sell on, uh, on, on the President's Cup. All right. Where am I at here? What was my buy or sell? Uh, okay. I'm going <laughs> to pose it to me too. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me open it. Oh, no. I, I remember now. Uh, back to the NFL. The Seahawks are, are one and two now, and yep. that that one win they looked pretty terrible against San Francisco. So buy or sell, the Seahawks window, Super Bowl window is closed. Uh, I'm going to sell that hard, Matt, because uh, baseball windows are pretty apparent. Basketball windows are pretty apparent. Football windows, I think, are completely contingent on quarterback play and defense. Two things that the Seahawks still have in place. Their offensive line's abysmal, and I think that's why they've had trouble winning football games this year. But as long as you have Russell Wilson back there, you can, in the offseason, go get the pieces to protect him, go get him another weapon, and then, boom, your window's wide open again. I don't think the window is as black and white in football as it might be in other sports, as long as you have solid quarterback play and a serviceable defense. Earl Thomas is still coming up, making people look stupid. I saw him make a couple open field tackles that you want to put the gold jacket on him right away. That is a Hall of Fame safety that we're still watching. Richard Sherman still loses his mind every other Sunday. you got to kind of reel him back in, but I think there is still talent on the defense side of the ball. I'm going to sell that the Seahawks' window is closed. I think I'm with you too, but I don't think it's as definitive as you made it seem. I do agree football windows are not the same as you know basketball, hockey, baseball windows, but I, I, that offensive line, like you said, it is abysmal. And it's been abysmal for three or four years, and they've done nothing to address that. So I don't think there's anything going forward that makes me believe that they will. And I, I 
aren't the the Legion of Boom aren't three of those four guys up at the end of the year in their contract, so they're going to be due for raises or they're going to be walking. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be even harder to replace and and rebuild that offensive line. While Russell Wilson is a, a very incredible talent back there, can move with his feet and throw the ball. Doesn't really matter how good you are with that because eventually, if that offensive line is as bad as it is, you're not going to be on your feet for very long, and you're not going to you're going to have trouble running the ball. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I, I'm still going to sell it, I think, because in, in football, especially if you get hot, it, it's it's unlike any other sport. But at the same time, I, I think there are more problems there than people like to admit or realize. Yeah, Pete Carroll is kind of taking on the role of babysitter more than anything over the last few years, and that's really hurt the Seahawks, I think. Yeah, maybe that gets uh, wears a little thin on him. Maybe he doesn't like it anymore. Maybe he wants to yeah. go back to the college game. Maybe he wants <laughs> to get involved in the, the, the big rivalry he used to be involved in, but maybe on the other side. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Sorry. You already, you're pushing Brian Kelly out. I'm not. I'm just – I take Pete Carroll over Brian Kelly in a heartbeat. Oscars might be looking for a coach anyway, too, so – there's, there's going to be some openings. There's always openings at the end of the season, man. All right, got another one for you here. Buy or sell, ND, winning out, is enough to get them into the college football playoff at 11-1. and one. Uh, I'll buy that that would be enough. I don't think they're going to do it. Um, but I, I would buy that if they run the table, they have wins against SC, Stanford, Miami on there, even though Stanford isn't quite what we thought they were. Um, nor is nor is Miami. No, but uh, Miami's still going to be a team who's up there in the ACC, and I think they're going to be seen as a good team. But I, I think if you have that one, if, if they are able to beat USC and do so in a not convincing, I don't want to say convincing manner because that makes it seem like they, but a, a, a real win against USC, and there, there's no questions really after that one. I, I don't see why that wouldn't be enough. Um, I know the schedule might not look as, as daunting now as it did at the beginning of the year and that'll be that's always the first excuse when Notre Dame does well um but at the same time I think that win combined with the committee loves good losses like we've seen in the past (laughs) and if Georgia keeps doing what they're doing I mean Georgia didn't really have that rough of a road left till the till the SEC championship game Uh, and if they can be 11 and 1 and and be in the SEC championship against Alabama a one-point loss to Georgia actually looks like a pretty good loss but uh, I, I would buy that, but I'm going to sell that they're going to do it. I think there's, I think there's still one or one or two slip ups along the way for them. Unfortunately, I'd love to see it, but I don't think it happens. See, I'm kind of in the opposite camp there, Matt. I think that there is a good chance that they do win out, but I don't think that'll be enough because there are a lot of talented teams now with the Big Twelve having a championship game. I think that those are almost becoming automatic qualifiers. These championship games into the Big Ten or into the Final Four. Pardon me. And, uh, you know, being a, a team without a conference, you almost have to have a perfect season to get in. I think that's the reality of the situation these days. Yeah, and th- that's also a fair point. I think if if you see, obviously, Clemson uh, run the table, if you see Alabama run the table, I think they're going to be in there. I think if you see a one-loss Big Ten championship team, they're going to be in there over them. But after that, I just I think it kind of depends on what else unfolds yeah if Oklahoma runs the table wins the Big 12 they're obviously going to be in it too but if if that Big 12 champion is is a two-loss team which it very possibly could be now that Oklahoma State has one loss um, if if the Pac-12 champion is SC and Notre Dame has a win over them Notre Dame's getting in over them um, yeah I, I I can see your argument and I don't disagree with it I guess I'm just a little bit slightly on the other side, but I don't think we're, we're far yeah. off in what we believe here. Seldom, seldom is it 
as cut and dry as four one loss or undefeated teams. So that's why I, we need I, to I, expand. I do see what you're saying, and I agree. But that is a conversation for another, a whole other podcast. Yeah, I think we've had that conversation a bunch. We'll, we'll avoid that one. Hit me. Um, buy or sell, Joe? We got. This is the best sports time on the sports calendar of the year. We got college football and the pros in full swing. We got the NHL and the NBA ready to kick back up. Major League Baseball is just about to get into their playoffs, which say what you want about the regular season. There's there's not much like playoff baseball. Uh, Buy or sell that? I'm going to sell it just because there are a number of other points of the year where – there's more on the line. I don't know. I guess your, your March area with March Madness and uh, getting into the competitive golf season there is always fun. I enjoy July very much, especially when the Hawks are playing well, because it seems like every other night you have a game seven. You have or mm-hmm. you have something massive on the line, whether it be NBA or NHL. We are treated to a lot of good stuff right now, but there's not much on the line. That's the only reason why I'm going to sell it. The only reason I disagree with that, and I love those two times a year you just mentioned, the only thing I reason I have to just disagree slightly is because there's no football in those two times you just mentioned. That is true, And Matt. I think there's got to be true. football on the best time of the sports calendar. But we'll get, let's we'll move get on. Some, we'll get you some Canadian League or something. Ooh, I do love the CFL. It's fun to watch. <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, give, us, uh, give us a little mailbag. Well, let me pull it up here. This comes from uh, Rooney Tunes 4. No relation. No relations at all. I, I must be a big fan of the podcast to name his Twitter handle after me. Um, <laughs> week from Thursday, the Blackhawks open up, and that will be right before the Bears and, and the Vikings tee it up on Monday Night Football. Joe, would you rather have Marion Hosa in the Blackhawks lineup or Mitch Trubisky starting week five for the Bears? You can only pick one. Uh, I'd say host, just because I know that that's probably a much further off in reality than Mitch Trubisky is. Um, or at least that's my cursory understanding of the situation. I'm pointing uh, to the sky right now, Joe. I miss him. Yeah. And uh, I think that for the last five years, six years, whatever it's been, Marion Hosa has brought so much versatility to the Blackhawks lineup. You could plug him in any line. He's going to make everyone around him better. His strength on the puck is Hall of Fame stuff like never has been seen. We don't even know what Mitch Trubisky is yet. So I guess I would uh, put my chips on the known rather than the unknown is the, is the reason why I make that decision. Yeah, I'm going to go with you, but just for a much more simple reason, it's just it's Marion Hosa, man. I think he <sighs> might be my favorite Blackhawk, of, uh, might be my favorite Blackhawk of all time. Um, and for all the reasons he said, it, it, the lineup's going to miss him a lot more than I think people like to realize this year. And I, I'm, I'm going to get into a hockey minute tangent here, but I don't Hit care. Um, <laughs> If people say, you know, people are calling fouls saying, oh, the Blackhawks are just doing this to get out of a cap hit. It lines up with Hosa's contract where he's now only getting paid, you know, a million as opposed to five or whatever the hell it was. And while all that's true, I I think if you ask anybody in the Blackhawks organization or Q or or Stan Bowman or anybody in that locker room, I think they'd rather deal with the cap issue and have those 25 goals in the lineup as well as one of your best penalty killing forwards and your best two-way forward. Uh, Seven days a week. Yeah, I think they'd take that every day of the week. Um, so as, as, as convenient as this, you know, cap clearance might be, I think they'd rather have the problem and, and have Marion Hosa for another year or two. I, I, I tend to agree with you, Matt. Uh, he's going to be missed. And like you said, one of, one of the 
darling Blackhawks of the of the last decade. That I'm uh, not sure he, there's a more beloved Blackhawk from this era. I mean, obviously, Taves and Kane are the golden boys, and, and they're in their own stratosphere. Yeah, I'm not but sure like individual more, player, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's is more of like an like an aura around him of I, I don't really even know how to describe, but I don't think there's yeah. a more beloved Blackhawk from this time. Maybe it's because he chose to be a part of this, whereas all these guys. You know, we're drafted or brought here through trades and stuff, and, and that's great. I mean, that, I'm sure they want to be here, and I love being here. But Marion Hosa took a chance and chose to come here and join these young guys, and leaving a great situation in Detroit to do so. Um, Coming off of back-to-back Stanley Cup losses, yeah. it was uh, it was a leap of faith, and it's paid off for Hosa. It's paid off for Hawks fans. I mean, without Tenfold. without him signing that signing on the dotted line with Dale Talon in, in 09, it, it, it's hard to believe that you know all of this is. You know, is what it is. I maybe maybe they get one, maybe the, maybe they get two, but without Hosa, I don't. You're not you're not a three time Stanley Cup champion, that's for sure. So Matt, you and I both going with Hosa in this week's mailbag. Thank gonna, you to Rooney Tunes for. I'm gonna miss him so much. I know. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to the Moose and Noons podcast. As always, subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter and tweet us your mailbag questions. We love getting you into the mix here and hearing all of your input, questions, comments, and concerns. Matt, we got to do best thing I saw this week before we shut her down. Why don't you start us off with that one? Well, the best thing I saw this week, uh, I'm I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it again. It was an emotional moment. Uh, I've never fancied myself a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Walk-off 61-yarder for the rookie kicker, Jake Elliott. But the best thing I saw this week was the video of his family and his parents parents reacting in the stands. I'm sure everyone's seen it by now, but if you haven't, go find it. Seek it out. Look at it. It is pure joy by the proudest parents you'll ever see. Mom's freaking out, high-fiving everyone. Dad's just sitting there trying not to cry. It's the It's the typical grown man don't cry face. <laughs> I'm so proud we of all my know son. It. Oh, it's it's phenomenal, phenomenal stuff, and uh, it was the best thing I saw this week. So, congrats to the entire Elliott family on that one. Mine's uh, mine's gonna be not as emotional as yours, but uh, it, it, baseball is obviously in full swing with the with the pennant races and all that, and the, the Cubs are the story as, as they should be in town. But the the other team on the South Side, I got to bring up the Chicago White Sox. Have, have been really putting together a really nice month of September. Um, and especially this last week, they've Lucas Giolito went out and had another elite start against the Royals. The, the, the team, no matter who's in that lineup every day, just seems to keep hitting, and they just they're playing baseball to have fun. And it, it's 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 just nice to see a young lineup with with optimis, with you know optimism uh, as as compo- compared to last year's, where you kind of knew that whatever the group was was just kind of ragtag group of guys who was probably going their separate ways at the end of the year. This is. We're starting to see the the semblance of a young core pulling together, playing some exciting baseball. And I think I've said it before in the podcast, but this is the most fun I've had watching White Sox baseball um, in in a long time, probably since '08 when they went to the playoffs. And they they in the last week they they went to Houston, played three tight games, and won one. They just took two out of three from the Royals, and then the last night beat down the the Angels. So. It's just that that for me is the best thing I saw all week. It's it's a different era of White Sox baseball starting to be ushered in. Looking forward to the future for sure, Matter. Why don't you shut us down here on episode 22 of the Moose and Runes podcast? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down.
I'm going to stick with the White Sox theme here, but for a little bit of a different reason. Uh, I This seems to be getting overshadowed in the as the Sox are, again, the second team in town right now. And, and Jose Abreu did something last week that only two other people have done in Major League history, those names being Joe DiMaggio and Albert Pujols. He has his fourth consecutive season of at least 25 homers and 100 RBI. Um, and I, I said this, I think, a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to stick to it. When he's hitting, I don't think there's a better hitter in the city of Chicago than Jose Abreu or maybe in the American – I'll stop short of Aaron Judge, but maybe in the American League. And I, I think because he's on a White Sox team that has been a basement dweller for so long, he seems to get over overlooked for a lot of those uh, accolades, which I don't think he cares about getting. But I hope, I really, really hope that Jose Abreu's, you know, tail, not tail end of his career, but he doesn't hit that downslide before this team starts to get where they want to go. Because if he's in the middle of that lineup, I think he... He's earned the right to be in the middle of a really good lineup, and I think the White Sox are starting to put the pieces around him, and I think you're starting to see why they hung on to him, because maybe he doesn't have the greatest grasp of the English language in the clubhouse, but he is absolutely a leader in that clubhouse by the way he plays the game and in the little ways he does communicate with the team. So it's just it's nice to see Jose Abreu reach such an elite milestone, because that's what it is. It is an elite milestone joining two surefire Hall of Famers, and, and Jose Abreu, if he keeps this track, will be a Hall of Famer himself, even though he started a little bit late. Uh, but I, I just I hope to see Jose Abreu in the middle of this lineup when things start to get good on the south side because he has absolutely earned it and can be that next Paul Canerco-type player on hopefully a World Series team. Historic times while everybody sleeps, Matt. That's what it seems like uh, for Jose Abreu. As you said, hopefully he doesn't join the list of guys that had to find their success elsewhere, and we can get him into a solid lineup on the south side matter. I think historic as times as it sleeps, Joe, I think that's how Jose Abreu wants it. I don't think he's, yeah, he seems like a guy who wants seem the spotlight like a guy too much. Who desires that spotlight, so maybe that's where his success occurs best. Hopefully we can get him out into the national spotlight and uh, have him show his talents on the main stage, Matt. As always, it is a pleasure talking to you listeners here on the Moose and Ruins podcast. Matt, a pleasure to do this with you each and every week. That's episode 22 of the Moose and Runes podcast. Join us next week for episode 23. We'll have plenty more to talk about. Bears season, upward, downward. It's going to be Bears-Packers Thursday on Thursday Night Football on CBS. Enjoy that one. We'll have plenty to talk about next week. Thanks for tuning in. As always, for Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Stay blessed, friends. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome.